Let's turn together to Exodus chapter 20 this morning. Exodus 20. As we turn there, I'll just remind you, if if this is your first time with us, we're walking through the book of Exodus. We are finding ourselves now at the Ten Commandments. The people of God have come to Mount Sinai where the Lord has, who, who has brought them out of, deliver, out of slavery in Egypt, has delivered them to freedom. And here they come to meet the Lord, to learn what it means to be not only in relationship with him, but also in relationship with one another rightly. And so the fifth commandment that we study this morning instructs us in how to honor our father and mother and also how to understand authority as a whole. One of the things I mentioned in an earlier sermon is is that one of the ways we know how to understand the commandments is we let scripture interpret scripture. So we have a New Testament lesson which speaks additional or uh, other comments that also apply to the text that we read. So here we begin at Exodus chapter 20 verse 1 and we'll read through verse 12. Here's God's word. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. This is God's word. Let's pray. O God, as we come to your scriptures, uh, we so thank you for giving them to us. uh, For in them you reveal not only your character, but the grand story of salvation so that knowing you, we might find ourselves in you. I pray today that you would give to your people the ears that we need, that we might understand what your scripture says and teaches, and that you would likewise be willing to use an ordinary sinful crooked stick in your hand, uh, even my mouth, to point the narrow way to Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. The first four commandments instruct us in how to love the Lord. It's called the first table of the law. The second six commandments instruct us in how to love our neighbor. It's called the second table of the law. And so the first four and the next six are actually woven together with the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment is a kind of thread that holds them together, not just numerically, but also in concept. John Calvin points out that apart from the fear of God, men do not preserve equity and love among themselves. In other words, unless there is fear of God, uh, there is generally not a love and care of others. Jesus knew that too, which is, of course, why 
He said that the first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then he said the second one, which flows from that, is like it, the ability, excuse me, the, the call to love your neighbor as yourself. More than that, let's consider where does a child first learn the concept of love? He or she learns about love from a mom and dad who extends love and care to the child. Where does a child first learn the concept of a, of a father in heaven? From the parents who, who teach on earth about a father who is above. In the Christian home, parents are the one who, ones who teach that God has given you life. Parents are the first to teach that in love God offers eternal life to sinners through Jesus Christ. It is your responsibility then to embrace the offer that's been given to you. It's been said that God intends the house, the home, to be the first hospital, the first school, the first government, the first church. So if you learn to respect authority at home, uh, you will understand conceptually how to respect authority elsewhere. If you never learn it at home, you may wonder if you'll ever actually learn to respect it anywhere. Augustine, the fourth century bishop of Hippo, said, if anyone fails to honor his parents, is there anyone he will spare? In other words, will anyone ever receive the dignity and respect that they deserve? Sure, the home is the place where a child learns to love. It's also the place where a child first learns to submit to authority. What better place for God to teach you how to submit to authority than under the care of the people who actually love you better than anyone else loves you? Submission to authority begins at home, but it doesn't stay there. And so, children, if you've slept through most of the sermons you've ever heard at Christ's Press, here's a day that you might go, oh, he's going to talk directly to me. Teenager, if you've slept through lots of sermons, here's a day where you might go, oh, good. There might be something here for me. Normally, I know the sermons only apply to mom and dad, but today you can listen to. I do want to mention a couple of things. It's a commandment that applies not only to children, but it also applies to parents. It, it really applies to all of us because it's really about authority. And so, friends, your attitude toward authority uncovers your posture toward the Lord. We're going to use three points to walk through our text this morning. Honor explained, incentive offered, and thirdly, humility applied. We'll first start with honor explained. Verse 12 says, honor your father and mother, which seems so clear on the surface, but what does it really mean to honor? Uh, one Exodus scholar says that to show honor is to treat someone with the proper respect due to their person and their role. So you respect the person because the person occupies a certain role. If you're new to this church, you might wonder why we use various confessions and catechisms and creeds. In everything, we know the Bible is the primary, and we use Scripture to interpret Scripture. But we grab hold of these things, which have been written over centuries by many pastors and scholars, to summarize in a succinct way the whole Scripture on a particular point. So this morning we looked at Shorter Catechism 64. What does the fifth commandment require? And it says, the fifth commandment requires the preserving the honor and performing the duties belonging to everyone in their several places, relations, 
as superiors, inferiors, or equals. First, you notice in that that honor always shows itself by how we treat other people. It's not just an attitude of heart, it's also a posture of action, and it flows from that heart. So it should be reflected in those who are above you in authority, those who are beneath you in authority. But it is also reflected in how you treat other people. So the fifth commandment isn't just understood in verse 12. It's actually taken in the context of the whole Bible. And it's a summons then to honor in an upward direction, in a downward direction, and sideways. The word for honor is a word that in Hebrew means weighty or heavy. It's kavod. It's the same word that's actually used to describe God's glory or the glory that's due the Lord. So one pastor said, to honor one's parents, therefore, is to give a due weight to them because of their position. It's to give them the recognition that they deserve because God is the one who's bestowed on them this authority. And when you consider what the Bible says on this, there are really several layers to this command. There's a layer to young children. There's a layer to teenagers. There's a layer to college-age students, of course, adult children. And then also how you honor all other authority. First, let's consider what it means for children. While they're still young, they're still living in the home under the authority of parents. Those children must give to their parents respect. And they do that not because their parents are perfect. They do it because their parents are their parents. Their parents have been put in place by God. These are the ones who gave you life. More than that, in, in spite of whatever imperfections you're able to see and they can't see, these are people who have sacrificed for you in ways that you cannot possibly imagine. If you have parents, they've lost sleep because of you. If you have parents, they've spent money differently because of you. They did not make decisions for their own good, but they really did have to consider yours first. Every meal that you ever enjoyed sitting around their table, it was given to you by God's grace through the hands of your parents. You've been sick. They nursed you back to health. They took you to the doctor. They bought you medicine. I don't know too many parents who haven't been thrown up on. Sometimes multiple times. Parents know exactly what that is. But they also love you so much that they do not file that away in my kid really owes me something. I file it away in the nature of sacrificial love. That's what I do because I love my children. Children, your parents are due honor because of their position. You get to call them mom and dad. Nobody else outside of your siblings calls them mom and dad. It's a special name. It's a special name that deserves your honor because of that, what that position entails. And that sacred office of mom and dad is an office of sacrifice. 
Secondly, for those who are in teenage years, let me first tell you the Bible has no category for teenagers. It doesn't even speak in that category at all. If you are under mom and dad's roof, then biblically you're considered a child unless you are out on your own making your own living. I noticed something that happened. It was kind of strange in my house growing up. I reached the age of 15, and when I was 15, I suddenly gained an extraordinary amount of wisdom. So much wisdom that I knew better than everybody else around me. And this was where the shocking occurrence happened. At the same time that I gained wisdom, my parents became the biggest fools. They lost all wisdom they'd ever had. In fact, they went from one day being the people who cared for me and clothed me and took care of me to a couple of old people who were sort of out of touch, had lost every semblance of reality. Some of you want to nudge your friends and go, that's crazy, that happened in my house too. Parents recognize the irony of the words because of course that's not what actually happens it's what teenagers think happens so if you're a teenager and you're living in your parents house or you're in college and you're still relying on your parents funding your parents didn't suddenly lose wisdom it is more likely says the scripture that you lost perspective The Bible says, you are to honor your parents even when you don't agree with them. John Calvin, who I'm going to quote a lot, I guess, today, says that honor requires three things. He says it requires reverence, obedience, and gratitude. And so if you're a teenager, it might be worth asking yourself as you reflect on your own life, do I give to my parents a kind of reverence because of their position. Because these are the people who gave birth to me and have made it possible for me to reach this point in my life. Do you give them the dignity and respect that their position holds? Or do you laugh at them behind their back? Do you make fun of them? I used to laugh that my dad wore this brown suit and this ugly brown tie. And it's not until I'm 48 years old that I realize my dad's still wearing that stupid tie from the 70s because he bought me clothes. Because he chose, okay, I actually can't retire that suit. I can't retire that tie with the short sleeve button down shirt because my kid wants to wear a polo. See what happens? Here I am laughing at dad, and all he's done is shift everything so that I get to wear what I need to wear or want to wear. Parents know that that's true. That's why you say things like, I've got suits that are older than you. I've got shoes that are older than you. I've got ties that are older than you and dresses. Calvin says it requires reverence, obedience, gratitude obedience to them because God has put them in authority over you. You pepper them with rules 
excuse me, with attacks about their rules? Or do you quite deliberately and quietly just disobey? Does your posture towards your parents reflect gratitude because of all that they've done for you and all that they continue to do? Uh, Biblically speaking, y'all, parents do not owe you a cell phone. They do not owe you a car. They do not even owe you a college education. And the reason your perspective is skewed on that is you are looking to the left or you are looking to the right. Well, how come he got that? How come she got that? Two quick pastoral comments. One, are there any limits to obedience to parents? Yes, there are. Acts chapter 5 verse 29 is one place where it's very clear. God must always be obeyed rather than and before any human authority. That means parents, that means governments, that means teachers. And so if your dad tells you that he hates the dog that's barking next door, I would like you to go kill the neighbors and kill the dog, do not do it. You do not do it because he is asking you to go violate another commandment. You obey God first. Okay, I will not murder, Lord. Of course, there are limits to obedience. It's sad to read that there are such awful cases of evil in the world where parents teach their children to do evil things, to steal, to cheat, to lie. And you always are called to obey the commandment first in rural Mississippi. It was so common to open the paper and find that mother and child are caught shoplifting from Walmart. And the child is dashing away with goods because mom or dad has coached them up on that. In the vast majority of occasions, young people, your parents are not actually encouraging you to sin. They're usually trying to care for you. They're usually trying to protect you. And the bigger problem is not that they want poorly for you, but they want so good for you and you have lost perspective. Second pastoral comment, what if you really do think you know better than your parents? It might be useful then to take a look at at Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 41. You might remember the story. His family goes down to Jerusalem for the Passover. Jesus is 12. When it's time for the family to pack up and leave, they get a full day's journey from Jerusalem, and his parents suddenly go, wait, where is Jesus? They go back. They search for Jesus for three days throughout the city. They finally found him, and he's meeting with the religious leaders. Son, why have you treated us like this? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's house? What did Jesus do? I mean, Jesus, the the divine son of God, what does he do? Well, the Bible says that he went down with them and he came to Nazareth and he was submissive to them. So the sinless child Jesus, who really did know better than his parents, who never broke the fifth commandment or really any other commandment, that was Jesus who willingly submitted to these parents. The third layer of honoring your parents is in the role of adult children. Something changes when you leave the house. A man certainly can do this by marriage, leaving his father and mother. Or you can do that even without marriage, just simply as you transition into adulthood. 
most scholars who actually study this text make the point the vast majority of people in the nation of Israel would have understood this as it pertains to adulthood where adults are actually commanded by God to extend honor and dignity to aging parents to take care of them as it is needed take care of them no longer in a submissive way by way of their instructions but simply by dignity and care in that type of way I've been so encouraged by so many of you in this congregation as God has called you in various seasons of life to take special care of aging parents some of you have brought them into your home some of you have had to lift a spoon to their mouth to feed them some of you have cared for them as they go to the restroom there is a tone which is struck in this passage which says that that's actually the heartbeat of honoring parents and I hope for you that you will find in a passage like this the kind of encouragement that says it's hard but it's good these are the same people who powdered my behind and changed my diapers the final layer of this honor extends to the issue of authority so we read Romans chapter 13 it says let every person be subject to the governing authorities where there is no authority except from God and those that exist have been instituted by God so all authority is put in place and is to be respected because God is the one who establishes it at every layer that's why the main idea of our sermon really concerns the attitude of heart. So whether you're 18 years old and you've driven 50 or 100 miles from home and you think, wait, my parents won't actually know if I drink underage. Still the law says you must be 21 years old to drink. And it wasn't put in place by your mom and your dad. And if they don't know for just a moment, let me be clear. First of all, they're going to know. Most of the rest of us know. If you're in high school, you're in college, you really aren't as clever as you think. But more than that, your decision is telling you something about your posture towards the Lord. Because at the core level, it may be that you do not believe that God governs laws that you want to break I like to go 60 down the hill at Moores Mill Road because somewhere deep down I don't really believe God governs the speed limit but he does therefore I'm brought under this obedience to the Lord means paying taxes honestly rendering to my employer a day's wages, honestly submitting to the oversight and care of the elders of the church. Your attitude toward authority uncovers your posture toward the Lord. Honor explained. Now let's transition to incentive offered. 
Our second point covers the reason annexed to the commandment. It says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And so the reason annexed to the command is kind of what I would call a proverbial promise. It's a promise, but it's like a proverb. So it's meant to be taken as general truth. There is no blanket statement here. If you honor mom and dad when you're little, you'll get to live to be 100 years old. It's a general principle. And the principle is this, when children take care of their parents, when they obey their parents and they become adults and they themselves are aging, then the society itself is is built and structured around respect and honor because it's the Lord who put those authority structures in place. Things generally then will go well for that society as a whole. So for these freed slaves released into this promised land, it meant a loving obedience to Yahweh because I trust him to do good and to put in place authority over me. Obedience to God-given authority means that you will live in the promised land and not seek to disobey or kick against the authority. Philip Ryken says, the way to destroy a nation is to destroy the family. And the way children can destroy the family is by disobeying their parents. Totalitarian regimes throughout history recognize that if they can simply change the structure of the family, then what they can do is change the allegiance of the people. Alec Moyer says, honoring parents is the key to social stability and security and tenure in the land. To live long in the land really is what it is to simply enjoy the blessings of God. Many of you know that the Ten Commandments are repeated in Deuteronomy chapter 5. And so Paul in Ephesians 6 quotes Deuteronomy 5 and he says, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you, that you may live long in the land. So for life to go well for God's people in the promised land would be an abundant life. And the fact that God, that obedience to authority, whether it's, it's your parents' authority or government, means that things usually go better for you as a people. At three years old, your parents say, don't play in the street. Life is going to go poorly if you play in the street. You understand that conceptually. At 17 years old, son, do not drink underage. Be careful with your eyes, what you're looking at. Come in when it's curfew. Be careful around this person or that person. That concerns me for you. I'm afraid they may lead you to trouble. So for life to go well for you at any age is to obey the Lord's commands first and then trust the wisdom of those that God has put in place over you. And as hard as that may seem in the moment, what the Bible says is just wait for the long story because it's God who actually governs the long story. Even the motivation here is a heart-level motivation. Do you trust the Lord enough to lovingly obey him and trust the authority that he's put over you? If you will, things really will go better for you. Your attitude toward authority uncovers your posture toward the Lord. So we've covered honor explained, incentive offered. We're going to close with humility applied. As you can tell, obedience to this particular commandment requires a posture of humility. When you consider the weight that is to be given to authority, 
You consider likewise that somewhere deep down, most of us trust ourselves more than we trust God and the authorities that God has put in place over us or under us. To be blunt, honest humility tells me I have not really been an obedient son. You've not been an obedient son or daughter to your fathers or mothers or even to the Lord. In preaching through the Ten Commandments, one of the traps that I really wanted to avoid was this. I didn't simply want to explain a passage of Scripture and then lead you to see your sin and then simply take you to Jesus, the Savior of that commandment breaker. And I've tried to avoid that for two reasons. The first is that would make every sermon follow the exact same pattern, ten in all, and you'd grow weary of that. But the second is so that you might understand Christ in the fifth commandment and every other commandment is not only to understand him as Savior, as Savior of those who failed to keep the command, but more so as obedient son through whom my new identity is found. Therefore, in Christ, the old man of sin has passed away and the new has come. And the Bible makes this very clear. In the Old Testament, the people of God were disobedient sons and daughters. So God doesn't start afresh with the church. Ah, finally a group of people who could or would obey me. No. Ultimately, God starts over with a new son, one son. And through that one son comes the adoption of many sons and daughters. Out of Egypt, I called my son. Jesus says, I came down from heaven to do the will of my father. Let's be really clear. Biblically, you aren't faithful sons or daughters. Jesus is. Hebrews 3 says that Jesus is faithful over God's house as a son. And in that picture, you are not only the house, you're the body of Christ. And as a member of the body, in him, you learn what it means to be submissive to the head and to be the kind of son that is obedient to the one and faithful, one faithful son, Jesus Christ. To understand the gospel, that's profound grace and comfort. But it never leaves you in the spot that it founds you. It never leaves you laid bare and exposed and filthy. The loving kindness of God revealed in the grace of the Father leads you to become an obedient son. By exchanging the old life that you once had as a disobedient son and a daughter... And that must necessarily, in Christ, compel me or motivate me to be transformed by this saving grace. So from a posture of God's grace, what would it then look like for me to embrace the work of the Holy Spirit in my life and move from disobedience to an attitude of authority which humbly submits? I'm going to go back now to John Calvin's comments. Honor contains three components, reverence, gratitude, obedience. We've already talked a good bit about reverence. 
But if you want to honor your parents at any age, you may want to begin with gratitude. Start by saying thank you. When your mom makes dinner for you or your dad packs lunch for you or your mom and dad move you from this spot to the other spot, the fact that food is in the pantry for you to snack on, college students, the fact that you get to attend Auburn University, the Harvard of the South, man. Maybe you've had to do it on your own. But perhaps you could remember that they did provide everything that got you to that point. It's hard to say thank you when you're looking to the left and you're looking to the right at what someone else has been given. For those of you who are out from under the funding of your parents, you still honor your parents, whether they're living or dead, by thinking back with a, with a heart of gratitude for how they cared for you and what they did for you. Certainly gratitude is a useful exercise in the mind, but it will also help you as your parents' health declines. It's true at any age. It's true at any station in life to say thank you is to extend honor to someone, and it actually helps reset your own heart from a place of bitterness. Gratitude, and finally, obedience. Young people, if you live under your parents' roof and they ask you to do something, you just honor them by simply saying, yes, sir, or yes, ma'am, and then you do it. Don't groan. Don't make some weird sound. Don't provide excuses for why you're not actually able to do that right now. And likewise, if you say, yes, I'll get that done, then also go and get it done. Prompt obedience to your mom and dad is a way to honor them. Parents, do not train your children that you're going to count to three or you're going to count to five. What you're telling them is there's three seconds in which you can disobey me before I expect obedience. More than that, whether you are young or old, you're in your parents' house or not, you can always be helpful to your parents. Mom is carrying in groceries. Hey, Mom, let me grab some of those. Dad's mowing the grass. Dad, can I help you with that? Changing light bulbs, sweeping the floor. It would be startling to your parents if you'd say, hey, I'm going to get that. Reverence, gratitude, obedience. When you hear those words, you should recognize that it's actually the same thing that the Lord summons us to have toward him. Reverence, gratitude, and obedience. How would it change your heart to come to the Lord's table with a spirit of reverence and gratitude and obedience? Your attitude toward authority uncovers your posture towards the Lord. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would meet us with it, that you would instruct us from it, that you would draw us near to the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that all of this in his name. Amen. Our closing hymn is Isaiah 40.